If you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, and I will be rereading those portions of Scripture that Vaughn read for us earlier. This is, comes from uh, the great prophet Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with justice and judgment. From this time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. May the Lord bless us with his holy word. May we be encouraged and strengthened and renewed through his great promises. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. You know, you ought to always listen to your wife. Now, this, this doesn't relate to the sermon, but I just got to share this with you. Um, we were down on the farm in Mississippi, and as you know, they have giant serpents down there, so you always carry a gun. When I say giant serpents, I mean eastern diamondbacks that big around. So I, I was armed, and, and I had this uh, 22 Magnum pistol. I had never shot it. And, and so I said, Elizabeth, I'm going to shoot this gun. She said, Gerald, don't shoot this gun. They're over there replacing the power lines into this property. I said, oh, it wouldn't matter. So I cocked it and shot it. And a short time later, the man came over to put the power meter on the power box so they could start working, taking the old house down in. And the man came over to me and he said, did you fire a gun? I said, Liz is standing there with this kind of, you know, guys, how many of your wives got certain looks? You can identify them. What they're, now be honest. Do they have those looks that they give you? She gave me that look. He said, just at the time that we, my partner and I, were hooking the hotline together, each of us holding these long poles that gun went off, and we both almost soiled our pants. <laughs> now, she didn't say anything to embarrass me further, but she said, see, I told you not to do that. So I guess Santa won't be coming to see me because I was a bad boy and didn't obey. You certainly didn't miss yours. <laughs> the passages from the prophets, if you study the book of the prophets, um, the prophets had an exceedingly difficult job. For you see, they loved their people. 
But the situation in Israel was this, that, that God's people, who should have known better, had turned away from him. And it began really uh, the, uh, to take hold in, in the time, latter years of David and Solomon. And, of course, Solomon was a, played a big role in it, even though he said he was a wise man. Uh, he wasn't too wise in some of the wives he chose. Uh, I used to always tell my boys, it's better to be well executed than ill-wed. You young people remember that. Better to be well executed than ill-wed. But he married foreign wives and he acquiesced to their demands and he allowed them to bring their false gods in and they, they built these asherahs on the high places and they would have their idol worship there in God's land. God was not happy with that. You know that psalm we sometimes read at funerals, we misunderstand that that says, I will look unto the hills from which does my help come. That's not praising the hills, the high places. That's challenging them. For it says, my help comes from the Lord. Not those high places. Not those idolatrous places. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And so idolatry had been bought into the land, and, and you know, um, countries don't realize it, but, but, but great prosperity is a danger. Did you know that? Great prosperity in nations is a danger. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it is a danger. The danger is that we will begin to love the things of the world that touch our pleasure and our sensuality. And in their abundance, we forget the true and living God. And we seek after other things before him. And that certainly had happened in the life of Israel. And the prophets were settled with the, settled with the un pleasant task of having to go to God's people, even to go to the king and confront him, to tell them that, that listen, this nation is in deep trouble, and, and listen, you people are in deep trouble because you have turned away from the true and living God. And unless you repent, God is going to bring judgment on this land. Now, there were false prophets at the king who you know, you can always find people that tell you what you want to hear. So, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi, those guys don't know what they're talking about. Your kingdom is going to keep lasting. Things are going to roll on like they always have. And most of the people believe them. So the prophets have to say, listen, this is what is going to happen to you. God is going to use an ungodly people. They were referring to the, for the northern kingdom of the Assyrians and to the southern kingdom of Israel, to the Babylonians. God is going to take an evil people and he's going to give them your land and he's going to turn your life over to them and you'll be killed and the garments will be so many and this other passage in Isaiah refers that they'll be so bloody they'll be rolled up and, and laying everywhere. And he's going to destroy the king and he's going to destroy the temple and he's going to destroy Jerusalem. Unless you repent. And how do we describe the Israelites at that time? He says, 
it says that they are a stiff-necked people. Kind of reminds you of America, doesn't it? Great men of God like Franklin Graham and others are calling America to repent of his sin. And buddy, we've got it. We've got a nation that declares things good that God clearly calls evil. The sexual perversion in this nation is unbelievable. The, the murder rates and the crime rates are accelerating. Ten people shot in New Orleans last night. We look at, and, and you know, I, I, this really burdens my heart. We look at our, our peace officers, our law enforcement people that... That, that rather than being loved and respected for keeping us safe, so much of our society now condemns them and calls them racist. They call them everything you can think of. Well, I know the officers in this church. And I know the officers that were in my previous church. And I know the officers that were in those churches before that. And they are anything but unkind and ungodly men. And the people that promote that kind of hatred are bringing destruction on this nation. And you speak the truth of God in our time and, and people's hearts are hardened to it. Our nation is like the Israelites. We are stiff-necked. We think we know better than God knows. And it's true of every nation that's ever existed. You continue in that attitude. God will provide the correction. God will provide the correction. And, I, and the prophets had that hard task of saying. You're not changing. It's coming. And the terribleness of God's judgment over Israel is going to be overwhelming to you almost. And the false prophets lied. But the true prophets who speak for God, that's what it means to be a prophet. It doesn't mean Gene Dixon. It means to speak for God. She's a charlatan. She did now, I think. But um, anyway, the, 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 these men that spoke for God, it happened. The Assyrians took the northern kingdom first, the kingdom of Israel. And all of the tribes that lived there, they were lost forever. None of them came back. And it happened in the southern kingdom too by the Babylonians and they, they, they captured Jerusalem. They put the king's eyes out and they killed all of his children and they marched him off as a slave to Babylon along with all the leaders and most of the people. Isaiah and the prophets knew this was coming. But in the midst of this warning, God gave the prophets a word 
to comfort his people. And that was this, at the end of all of your troubles and sorrows and punishments, God still has a plan. You're his chosen people. He still has a plan. And that plan is the restoration of the true kingdom of David. And that true kingdom is not merely a worldly kingdom. That true kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. That true king will be the Messiah, the Son of God, that will come and truly save you people from your sin. Dear friends, I have tried to impress upon you while I've been here. Do not trust your feelings. Do not trust the philosophers of this world, but trust the promises of God made known in his holy scripture. Can you remember that? Can you write that on your hearts for me? Trust the promises of God given to you in the holy scripture. Because they are true. They will always be true. Not one iota of it will change, Jesus said. And God promises to keep his people. Could we get the clip? Are you able to get the clip on the wall, please? Everybody knows I love Spurgeon. And, 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 and as I was preparing this message, I just, uh, I just found this marvelous quote. It says, hope itself is like a star. You know, we have a hard time seeing stars around here. Did you, have you ever noticed that? Because of all the bleed-in light from everywhere. Burlington's getting to be such a big city that you can see it from afar, to use biblical language. At night, you can see it. You're coming in, 85, you can look down towards Burlington, you see the light, especially la uh, last Friday when it was overcast. Hope itself is like a star, you know, and it is in the absence of light that the stars become the brightest. Uh, Vaughn, I don't know if you've had time, if maybe when you're out in the field that in your training away from all the lights, the stars seem so close in the great west you can almost reach up and touch them. I remember an experience I had in the Dakotas many years ago when I was out doing a, an evangelistic service for a church out there that I walked out at night, and of course it was, it was there, just could see them against the darkness. He said, Hope itself is like a star not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity. And only to be discerned in the night of adversity. That certainly became true in the life of the Jewish people. Is there a sadder verse in those words from the Psalms when it said, By the rivers of Babylon we sat down and wept. We wept for Jerusalem that was no more. You see, God brought them to the place where they were broken. And every person God saves, he brings them to the place where they are broken. Through different circumstances, my circumstances of being broken, 
We're different than yours, but every, and because we build our life according to our plan, rather than focusing on God's plan, if God elects to save us, he makes us deal with that. He, he brings it down upon us, and then he shows us. Then we are able to see, oh, I don't trust in my wealth, and I don't trust in my good looks. I don't trust in my popularity. I don't trust in anything. I only trust in you, God, because everything else leads to darkness. You see, that's when you see it. Maybe it's going through illness. Maybe it's going through a breakup in a home. But when your world falls apart, then if you look unto God, you will receive hope. And the promise of God is that those who love him and seek him, he will never ultimately abandon. Think about that. He's the only one that will never abandon you under any circumstance. And furthermore, not abandoning him, he promised to the Israelites and he promises to us, I'll restore you. I will restore you to the kingdom that is more marvelous than the kingdom of David. I will restore you. And the kingdom he's talking about, of course, is the kingdom of God. The everlasting kingdom. We live under its light today, don't we? We're not there yet. But we have it. We have it already. We have the assurance of forgiveness. We have the assurance that we belong to Christ. And the Holy Spirit's been put, as Paul writes, in our hearts as a deposit, as a reminder that we belong to the Savior. And so in the midst of any trouble, we go through life. And uh, unlike Joel Osteen, I'm going to tell you the truth. You're going to go through them. You're going to have hard times. Oh, but dear friends. You're in the hands of the Savior. I never forget talking to a Methodist preacher up in uh, Statesville. And he was telling, in fact, he wrote a book about it. He's telling about this little lady in his church who'd had seven different types of, types of cancer. Can you imagine that? One's bad enough, isn't it? She'd had seven different types. And he said when they were, she was diagnosed with the seventh she, he went to see her. Now, most people would not know how to react to that. And, 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 but this little lady, she was just a farmer's wife. She had such a great faith in God. She, she'd walked with him. She'd trust him. She, this is what she said, Pastor. It seems that the Lord has given me the stewardship of another cancer. <laughs> Think of that. He has given me the stewardship of another cancer that in me and my faith in him, his glory might be revealed. Wow. See, she knew the reality that the hope of God shines brightest in the times of adversity. Now, when times are good, remember that. Because they ain't always going to be good. Remember and rejoice that as Isaiah in the sorrow that was coming upon the people he loved, wanted them to know that if you look unto God, God is going to deliver you no matter what happens. 
The Babylonians may kill you. They may tear your city down. They may carry you into slavery. But God, if you look to him, if you're dependent and you love him, he is not going to abandon you. And as your pastor this morning, I want to tell every one of you the same thing is true for you. Your Savior, Jesus, what did he say? None Nothing is able to take out of my hand those that the Father has given me. What's that mean? That means that nothing has the power to destroy your relationship, your possession by Jesus. As Paul writes in the great chapter of Romans 8, the Christian's great hope says, What is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ? He's asking you that question. What is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ? Neither height nor death. Nothing. He'll say some things. He said nothing in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. We light it a lot candle of hope today. I trust we all perceive what our hope is. I hope we all perceive the blessed state we have belonging not to ourselves but unto our precious Lord and Savior Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for us. People hope in the wrong things, do you know it? We sometimes do. But let us all be refreshed in the Holy Spirit this morning. Let us all be filled with joy this morning. May we all be filled with gladness this morning. Because the hope of the world is Jesus.